welcome to another episode of Soccer Not Football. This is Della coming to you at the East Coast. This is Daniel coming to you from the Bay Area, West Coast representing. Yes, West Coast, best coast. I'm sorry, I can't deal with the snow out here. I only did it once and never doing it again. So let's get straight into it. We got Champions League action and we got um, the U.S. Uh, men's national team camp uh, preparing for the game on the 9th. We're going to cover that and then we're going to do a very special tribute um, to a fallen legend. Um, if you don't know who it is, well, we'll show you. So, but before we get all that, we're going to start off with Champions League, which happened over the course of the week. Uh, plenty of games uh, occurred. Plenty of teams have booked their spot to the round of 16. And what we're going to do is going to check in each group and see who's in, who's not in, who is in danger of uh, being eliminated, or even worse, going to the Europa League. So let's start with Group A. We have uh, two teams who have already booked their spots. They played uh, today. Uh, they played um, this week. And it is Bayern Munich and Atletico Madrid. Bayern have secured the group. And Atletico is right behind them. Um, seems like and the only thing to play for is Red Bull Salzburg and Bonmotive for that final Europa spot. Um, let's just go. I just want to take a deeper dive into uh, the game, which ended in a 1-1 tie. Um, finally broke Bayern's, um, Bayern's winning streak. And um, and there was an American who featured in that game, Chris Richards. Um, any Anything you want to add on that, Daniel? It was a, a second string side for Bayern, so I'm not really surprised Richards uh, got a sub-appearance. He played the last 30 minutes at, at right back which isn't his natural position, but it's where he's been getting some minutes at Bayern. And he looked, he looked solid. He looked okay out there. Um, I think it's a, it's a good sign that in the, in the games that are kind of not as important to Bayern that he's getting minutes. Um, he's creeping his way into, into that starting 11, but he, he's not there yet. So he needs to pay his dues, put in his work. And uh, these are the type of games that he needs to, to show us what he can do. Yeah, yeah, definitely for next week, Bayern are going to play uh, with Moscow. And, of course, like, they're already locked down the group. So, obviously, um, you would expect him to get minutes uh, since the team is probably going to be resting players. Um, so, yeah, hoping for the best for him uh, next week. And uh, going to um, Group B, which has been a real shocker um, lately, the two contending teams we thought would coast through uh, coast through this group are the bomb two teams, which are Real Madrid and Inter Milan. Now both of them still have a chance of making it through the round sixteen. But right now, um, looking at the the schedule, it seems that so Inter is playing. Shakhtar and uh, Real is playing um, uh, Galbach. So both of them have a chance to both can advance. Do you see that happening? See both teams advancing? No, I don't think uh, both teams are going to advance. Um, I think I think Inter are are out of it. I don't I don't see them them coming back from this. I think they're they're done. And I don't even see them making Europa League. I think they're going to finish bottom of the group and crash out uh, ingloriously. Wow. <laughs> and Madrid might be right behind them. They, for whatever mm -hmm. reason, they can't beat the Ukrainian team. They can't seem, seem yeah. to break down Shakhtar. They have, they have their number, and they have, that's twice the season that they beat them. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was shocking to see. It, it really feels like Madrid has taken a massive – not 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 a massive step down, but like a considerable like step back 
uh, because this is supposed to be like their tournament, their pedigree. I've never seen them struggle in the Champions League like this before. And if they don't make it, or like if they get New York League or they did just miss out at all, do you see like Sedan keeping his job? Just because he's a Don, probably, but that would definitely put him on the edge of the hot seat if he crashes out of Europe completely or if he even just gets to Europa League. Um, he, he does have a good history there. He, he's won three titles but or two titles, but that only gets you so far because it's what have you done for me lately in this business. And the team, yeah, isn't looking great right now. Granted, they didn't have Sergio Ramos for that last game who's probably the main star in that team now. But, yeah, I I would not want to be Zidane if they, they don't make it through. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, funny you said about, like, Ramos because, like, he – this is his last year at uh, Madrid. He can either, you know, sign an extension or he can uh, negotiate with another team and he can leave on the free. And if the possibility of that happening – you know, I just feel like that would be even more damaging to Real than a Ronaldo. I mean, with Ralph Ronaldo, you know, they've been trying to find an identity, but without Ramos, like, there is there is none. That's true, yeah. He's he's Real Madrid through and through. He's been there for over a decade now in the back line, either, either right back or center back. And, yeah, it would be a, it would be a major blow to them to see to see him leave for free this summer. But uh, I, I think he'll, he'll sign an extension. I think he, he wants to stay there and and prove that he's still the best in Spain. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, you're right. Uh, Gallbach has booked their ticket to the round of 16. So, it's either one of these three teams, Shakhtar, Real, or Milan. So, who knows who's going to take it. And uh, Shakhtar does lead. Uh, it's ahead of Real right now uh, through the head-to-head points. Because he took all all three points, um, yeah, in the in the two matches. So it's definitely going to be interesting to see who's going to come out on top on that in that group. Um, going to Group C, um, it's been wrapped up uh, almost. City have almost have the group tied up, um, but Porto is right behind them in case City happen to lose or um, tie, then Porto can, um, they can uh, pipe them on top of the league and actually lead the league and lead the group. And uh, City and Porto played this week. And there's a little bit of controversy uh, from from Pep on that, Um, talking about Oh, the game was slow. You know, there wasn't that much action. And the Porto coach, um, he, he kind of clapped back a bit, like saying, look, all those players, I'll be mad too, you know? Like, so that was, so that was definitely interesting. And with um, having – it feels like City hasn't hit that gear yet, you know? 100% agree. Yeah, I think that's what – most of Pep's frustration is uh, you can't really come out and just criticize your team and say, these guys suck. These guys are playing terrible. So you kind of have to make up, not make up excuses, but you kind of have to, to shift the blame to other places. So he was angry that Porto were, were coming out and trying to play a slow, rugged, you know, foul game. And that's, that's what teams are going to do against Man City. Man City has the top, top talent in the world. And, you sometimes you got to get under their skin and disrupt them to beat them. And like you said, they haven't reached their top gear this year. They're struggling in the, in the premier league and they've been, they're doing okay in champions league four wins, one draw through the first five games. Um, but yeah, they haven't reached that, that clinicalness that we're used to seeing from man city that just, just ruthlessness, just grab teams by the neck and, and throw them to the ground. Yeah. Yeah. So Man City are playing um, Marseille, um, and then Porto, they're playing Olympiacos. And like I said, you know, I don't see City slipping up in this game, but if they do, then it will be a massive opportunity for Porto to um, 
get a favorable uh, opponent in the round of 16. So then going to the uh, Group D, um, Liverpool have booked their spot and um, they have assured themselves of um, uh, going further in the Champions League after the disappointment last year um, with Atletico. Um, and it's uh, going to be a battle between Atlanta and Ajax for that second spot. Who do you think is going to take it? Mm, who who are they playing in those last games? I'm not I'm not sure what the match. Oh are for oh, they're the playing they're playing against each, they're playing against each other for that last match. So okay, well it's that be, makes it take off <laughs> a little easier. Yeah, I think uh, just because Atlanta can draw and still go through, I I pick Atlanta. But both those teams are very very score heavy. They score in mm-hmm. bunches. Um, so sometimes if they're if they're on, they're on. But if they're not, they're not. And it just mm-hmm. depends on if who has the team, better defense, right? Who has the better defense, or who's clicking that day? Yeah. If if Papu Gomez and Zapata can do stuff for Atalanta, or or Nerez and uh, Lasina Triore can can maybe stir up some some stuff for Ajax. So it'll just just depends on who shows up. Yeah. Yeah, it's definitely looking like to be a very exciting game. Um, definitely going to be on our calendars as well uh, to see who makes it out. And whoever and whoever team um, make uh, gets out there, um, they have shown the ability to go far. Um, Atlanta made it to the quarterfinals. They almost beat PSG. They they beat them until the 90 minute, 90 minute and then – Ajax, the same thing, the semifinals against Tottenham. They beat that team, and then all of a sudden, you know, Lucas Moura happened. Um, so who? So they have the ability to go far in this tournament. So it'll be interesting to see which one makes it out. And now moving on to Group E, um, Chelsea and uh, Sevilla played today, both of them are in the round 16, but this match was to decide who would make it, who will top the group. And with a Olivier Giroud masterclass, um, four goals, the oldest player to score four, goal, four goals in a game. Um, Chelsea won handily, and they uh, secured the group. Um, any... Any uh, opinions about uh, Giroud and how he played? Do you think he should be starting against uh, Abraham? Or do you think Frank uh, needs to uh, keep things the way they are? I think either way he goes, both strikers have their have their strengths. Abraham maybe isn't the, the clinical finisher that Giroud is, but he does a lot of the, the dirty work with his movement and with his, with his pressure on defense um, and Giroud is kind of just that target man in the box who, who can use his head, who can use his big frame to, to put stuff on goal. So it's kind of depending on the tactics they want to use for the game. Um, each striker can, can uh, show through with their strengths. Um, but yeah, Giroud had uh, a great game this past match week uh, with all those, all those great players behind him, sending him service, uh, yeah, I'm kind of I'm happy for him. He got a lot of slack at Arsenal for for being for being a bum and his move to Chelsea. He's also he's always been kind of thought of as a lesser player than I thought he is. He's he's a good player who who gets the job done. Yeah, I know. Like there was talk of him like wanting to leave so he can get like more playing time. And you know, I I just hope that this game shows like he still has a role here. And like he like we need more of that like leadership role. And like he was, and he has definitely come clutch for us, um, playing times. And at this point, he's a Chelsea player through and through. So, um, and then also in the Chelsea game, uh, we had Christian Pulisic finally starting. Um, how do you think he was out there? Uh, he looked okay. He definitely looked like this was his first start in in a month and a half, two months. 
Um, but he, there were some flashes of him going forward where he looked good. Um, yeah, he just needs to, to regain his sharpness, regain his match fitness, and, and he'll be okay. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Like, he has had, like, moments of, like, he hasn't been able to get, like, a consistent, like, round of games going. So, obviously, with uh, the with his first match back, you know, it's shaking off rust. And it's good for him to be out there and still, you know, being decent. Uh, I don't think anyone's trying to expect, like, a him just, like, tearing it up immediately, you know. Um, you just have to, like, rush. You Don't rush. You have to take time with these, with, uh, with certain players. And, you know, I – and if he plays uh, more, you know, if he gets like, if he plays like game after game, then, you know, I can see him, you know, returning to form. So, um, so moving on from one American to another, Gio Reyna and Dortmund. Um, his team, Borussia Dortmund, are on top of the group. Um, but they're – their spot has not been solidified yet. Um, they definitely made it to round 16, um, but they can't decide their fate on whether or not they have a favorable opponent in round 16. Uh, when they play Senate on, uh, on Tuesday. Um, so... Do you think they might be able to pull it off? Because I know they had their struggles in the past with that ugly loss uh, in the beginning. Yeah, I would des- it's definitely going to be tough. I'm pretty sure Holland's out until uh, the start of next year. He picked up a hamstring injury last week, and he's been their, their top scorer and one of their, their only scores, really. Um, but he, he is a clinical finisher, so anytime you lose someone of his caliber, your team's going to take a hit. But yeah. I think it, they would be really disappointed right now if they don't finish top of this group. They're in the driver's seat. They just have to win their last game against the team that's bottom in the group. Um, and if you want to do anything in this competition, you have to beat the teams that you need to beat, and mm-hmm. they need to do that. Yeah. Like this is their opportunity right here because if they slip up, then Lazio, you know, they're going to take it. And – you know, Lazio is a good team, but, you know, if Dortmund wants to take that next step, then they need to win this game, period. And then um, we then move on to Group G. Um, we have another American, uh, two Americans in the group, uh, Serginho Dest, three Americans in the group, Serginho Dest, Conrad De La Fuente for Barcelona and Weston McKinney for Juventus. Um, next week will be the match where they play against each other, and it will decide the. It will basically decide the group, um, whether or not Juventus can find eight goals to uh, to make up that difference. Um, but um, I'm feeling pretty excited about this. Um, uh, Des has been game playing. Gain um, playing time, and so has De La Fuente and uh, McKinney. He's looking, um, he's feeling more and more comfortable with Juventus with each game. So it's looking like it will be a exciting matchup. Not to mention, we'll finally get Messi and Ronaldo, and the, for the first time in what three three years. I think so. Yeah, two two and a half three years. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, McKinney's look really solid for Juventus. They're not asking him to do anything too crazy. They're just asking him to solidify the middle of the field, break up challenges, uh, and and get the ball forward. He, I think I saw he was leading the team in, in duels one, in aerial duels one, and in pass breakups. So he's just – he's been a really solid performer for them this year. They're not asking him to be a number 10 and create on offense. They're just asking him to – to do his role and get the ball to Ronaldo and Dybala and Morata and let those guys do their work. And, and he's been doing that job solidly. And then for Barcelona, we got Dest running down the, the wing back position. 
And he's honestly, he just looks like a winger playing defense to me. He, he's so exciting going forward. He's, he's always trying to do skills out there, always trying to, to embarrass people. And I just like his confidence. He's, he's some, maybe a little too over, too confident, overconfident. Um, but you need a little bit of that cockiness to, to do some crazy things out there. Um, and with they, they've sustained a couple injuries to their, their outside back position. So I think, I think we'll see him and McKinney match up with each other as well next week. No one cares about Messi and Ronaldo. It's the, uh, it's the McKinney death show. I mean, like, who are those two? I mean, they're, they're scrubs. They're past their prime anyway. Like, the future is now. Like, geezers, like, move aside. Go to your time home already. Exactly. America's taking yeah. over soccer. Just, just be warned. Yes. And then speaking of uh, another American, uh, we have Tyler Adams, who is in an absolute dogfight in Group H with uh, RP Lesbig and PSG and Manchester United, all tied with nine points to go. And it could be anyone's, anyone's spot to see who can make it, to, who can get those uh, two spots. And, um, we had like a massive game with uh, United and PSG and Neymar. Um, he turned the game around. He uh, prepared this. He, he fueled his team to the win, stating, I didn't sign up to PSG to play in the Europa League. So hopefully he can be a man of his word because if they crash out into the Europa League, I am going to die laughing. Yeah, that would be that would be pretty embarrassing for them for for the last year's finalists to to not even make it to the round of sixteen would be pretty embarrassing for for the amount of money that that club spends they need to they need to make it through. You could also say the same for Manchester United though, um, and they they haven't looked as strong as late. They they're still kind of trying to figure out their best team and and what positions their best players are playing at. So. It's really anyone's group. Even even Leipzig, they look, look sometimes they look great, and then other times they're losing four or five nil to Manchester United. So this this last match week is going to be you definitely should have eyes on Group H. Yeah, yeah, yeah. PSG is playing um, the team from Turkey, Istanbul, at home. So hope so. It's looking like a win but can never be too sure. And then it's going to be a fight between United and Lesbian for what might look like that final spot. So definitely, um, definitely a game to watch over there. So we're halfway there to, we're almost done with Champions League action. And we have a clear idea of who our top 16 might be. And it's looking like a good list. And um, I just can't wait till, you know, February. Just one quick note. Uh, this past match week, Americans hit 1,423 minutes in the Champions League, which is 126 minutes shy of our all-time record. So there's still a, a group stage g- game to go, plus all the knockouts. So we're going to absolutely smash our previous records. Um, that just kind of shows just how much – talent depth our our team is how much we're improving because the champions league is really the the premier soccer competition in the world that's where the best of the best of the best go to play and if you if you get your your players into these types of games barcelona juventus it's going to be a lot easier when they come to play you know el salvador or or costa rica and even mexico that that's just going to prepare them mentally physically all the above. Um, yeah. 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 Not even like our like continental like rivals, even like our European rivals, um, like playing teams from England, playing teams in Belgium, um, the Belgian national team, the France national team. Like we had those matches before where we would just, you know, we'll go out there and we would get dominated. And with more and more practice, with more like more and more experience in those like top competitions where the elite play, then you know 
we can match up with those top uh, European powers, with those top Central American powers, those uh, those top Asian powers. You know, like try to prove that we can match up with any team in the world. And even though we are a long, long ways from that, you know, this is definitely a great start um, with the amount of playing time we are getting. So um, on that note, um, do you want to move on to the to the camp? Yeah, we'll move on to this this hodgepodge December USMNT camp. Um, December 9th, we got a game against El Salvador. Uh, Burhalter called in what I'll say is like a B slash C squad. Um, the A squad, which was who we went over two episodes ago for the uh, November friendlies. Uh, most of those guys are playing in Europe. And since this isn't an official FIFA window, they're they're not going to be released from their club teams. So pretty much this camp is made up of MLS players who aren't currently in the playoffs. So we have some uh, teams who are still alive in the MLS playoff competition. So players like Jordan Morris, Jossie Zardes, Matt Turner won't be called into this camp because they're still playing for their club teams. Um, there's a lot of youth in this in this camp. I think we have 11 guys who have not been capped before. Um, is there anyone that really excites you? Anyone that you're excited to see maybe get some minutes against El Salvador? So um, I actually found out about Daryl DK. I was working on the NCAA uh, college soccer championship. Um, it was at Levi. No, it was at a uh, the the San Jose Earthquake Stadium, and um, fun fact, um, I actually met um, I forgot her Abby Wambach, not Wambach. Is it? I would think, but basically, it was a U.S. Uh, women's player, and she was holding the um, World Cup trophy, and I was able to take a picture of her holding it, and yeah, it was it was a great time, but. Basically, um, what I was trying to say, I saw um, Daryl DK um, playing um, against uh, Wake Forest um, during, like, the whole tournament, right? And he just dominated the game. He scored um, really, uh, really, like, uh, took his team back, helped his team come back. And that was like my first impression of uh, him. It's like, wow, he's going places. And now seeing him about to make his very first, possibly make his very first cap for the uh, national team, it just shows like uh, time really flies because that was literally like a year ago. <laughs> yeah, Daryl DK was a rookie forward this year for Orlando City. Um, he just looks like a straight fullback or, or middle linebacker barreling down the field. He he is a handful for defenders to to deal with. And aside from just his imposing size, he's he's got a good a good touch on him. He's he's soft with his feet and he can he can smash the ball into the back of the net. Um, I'm I'm excited to see him because I think he might have an opportunity to actually make the the A team to the senior squad. Um, we're still looking for a starting forward so he is definitely someone that if he performs well and continues to improve, he could take a hold of that spot. Um, another player that, that I'm really looking forward to looking at is Mark McKenzie. Um, he's just a guy who, who had a really good season for the Philadelphia Union this year, uh, led them to the best record in MLS in the regular season. And he's looking to make that, that move abroad to Europe. Uh, hopefully in the next month or so hopefully he'll he'll head abroad uh, i've heard rumors that celtic are interested in him but he's just he's a guy that another guy that i think could maybe make an impact uh to our to our starting 11 uh, he's one of the the 37 center backs that we have competing for for that second spot and i would i want to see him go out there and perform well and kind of carve up el salvador uh, one one thing he's really good at is, is setting long balls and and finding guys out on the wing. And I think that he's going to have ample opportunity to do that in this, in this game. Mm -hmm. If he plays, of course, maybe he doesn't get a start, but I think 
I think he will get a start. Yeah, I definitely think um, – I don't see – like, I don't see him, him uh, Barhalter, not bringing him in and not giving him, like, any minutes or at least, like, a start. Um, and, but, like, you never know. Um, he did include some um, veterans, uh, Aaron Long and Walker Sermon, um, who – have had like playing time under Bo Halter in the year uh, since uh, he's been in charge. So you know he might start them just as a way of, as a, a familiarity type thing. But I expect McKenzie to um, replace them in the years to come. So this will be a great opportunity for for him to really show us what what we got, what he got. I mean that would yeah that would make a lot of sense if this were a competitive game to start the those two veteran guys but yeah. it's a friendly so it it doesn't really matter what the result is we're really just trying to see how the how they look out there so I think this is this is literally the perfect time to to throw a guy out there because if he has a bad game then it's it's oh well uh, move on to the next one yeah yeah and interesting thing is like a lot of these players. Uh, they haven't played. Uh, they haven't been uh, cup tied yet or national tied yet. Uh, they're eligible for multiple countries, so this would be a chance for them to like uh, play with the camp, like, learn the system a little bit, um, get some try to experience what's like to like be a U.S. player before like taking that leap. And I think like who you think uh, would really want to like commit after this. I think you're you're hinting at Efrain Alvarez, but uh, I think yeah, he for people who don't know, he's previously played in the in the Mexican youth national team setup. So in order to play for the United States, he ha- would have to file a one-time switch with FIFA, which means that he would then be cap tied to us. So just because he was called into this camp doesn't mean he he's on our team now. He he has to like uh, file an official documents with FIFA. Um, but yeah, he's definitely one player that, that I would like to see switch over. He's just an exciting attacking creative player that, that we don't really have in our, in our team right now. Um, he's got a, he's got a great left foot on him. He's always, uh, in and around the box trying to find spaces. Uh, he, he's on the LA galaxy. He played with Ibra last year and Ibra said that he was a really, really special talent. So if Ibrahimovic praises you, that's, I think that's saying something. Uh, another guy, another dual national, tri-national that I would like to see in this camp is Io Akinola, uh forward for Toronto FC, just because he he had a strong season for them, uh, and strikers are a position in need for us. So him and DK, if they can perform well and kind of take a, a hold of that opportunity, that would be that would be nice to see. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And it'll be interesting to see, like, oh, um, who's going to be that, like, second option? Who's going to, like, really, like, fill out that depth? Will it be, like, the old veterans from before, like uh, Ariola and Ramirez and Acosta and uh, Legette? Or will it be some of these new guys? Uh, and it'll just really be interesting to see um, because, like I said, we're going to have, like, three – tournaments three possible tournaments that we are essentially going to be in and we want to be sure like we can be prepared for each one that we have the squad for each one right yeah covid covid bearing uh next summer we'll have uh olympic qualifying and then if we qualify the olympics we'll have uh a gold cup next summer and then as Mm -hmm. well as just normal world cup qualifying so i think I think World Cup qualifying is obviously number one priority. So that's where a lot of our, our A team members will go. Um, and then priority number two will probably be the Olympics. But a lot of our best Olympic eligible players are are just our best players. So they probably won't be available for that tournament. So we'll have to go into our depth and get guys from from this camp who maybe aren't our, our top tier guys, but are – middle of the pack towards the top and this will just be a good opportunity to see if anyone can can take that step above and kind of 
kind of earn that chance. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it would be nice to see like Pulisic playing in the Olympics. It might, there's, it's too early to call, and you know, it, it's too early to call to see like any of those like um, the A team will be playing in that or like even qualifying, but it will be a massive like um, step exposure wise. Uh, the Olympics gets plenty of uh, eyeballs. Uh, you know, it would be a great like narrative story to to put it to put it likely. But right, we've we'll we've see. missed qualifying for the last two Olympics, and that's kind of the uh, the missing generation of of U.S. soccer. The that's like eight years worth of players, and that's why we we were struggling for a while because we just we didn't have good players. So I think it's, it's important to, like you said, get that exposure, um, show people what we got and show people that the future is coming. Yeah, exactly. We got old players. We got new players. We got, we got, we got great players. We got players coming from everywhere now. So, you know, watch out. One last player that I'm excited to, maybe not excited, but one guy I'm looking out for is Brendan Aronson. Uh, attacking midfielder for uh, Philadelphia Union and soon to be Red, Red Bull Salzburg. Yeah, he earned a, a six million dollar move to Salzburg. He'll be he'll be making his way there in January. Um, and Aronson gets a gets a lot of hype online. He's had a he's had some good good highlight plays out there. Um, he's scored a couple long range bangers, made a couple nice nice saucy passes, but. The verdict's still out for him on me. I, I still want to see him kind of kind of prove to me what he's got. He's he's had nice flashes, but when I watch when I watched the Union this year, just he didn't really stand out. If that makes sense, he wasn't really like easily to see like oh that's that's like the best player on the field. And I think that's partly to do that he doesn't really have a position. Sometimes he's out on the wing. Sometimes he's more centrally. And sometimes I just feel like he would kind of drift in and out of games. Uh, w- looking at his stats, he he doesn't touch the ball a whole lot during the games. And for a player who's supposed to be creative and and spraying around chances, that's not really what you want. You want that player on the ball as much as they can. So it'll be interesting to see if if he can do that in this camp with with these types of players, or if that mood abroad to Salzburg will will help him kind of develop that part of his game and, and get that out, get the best out of him. Do you feel like, um, his, like his, his deal with Salzburg, um, do you think there is kind of like that? Oh, um, they're thinking of like his previous season, his like uh, rookie season where he finished second in like rookie of the year. Um, he, you know, was uh, contributing, um, like that was that was what they had in mind compared to like what the effort that he was putting in like this year. Do you think like oh that's the player that we bought that we were looking for? Like kind of how like Pulisic he wasn't as efficient his last year at Dortmund, but Chelsea still like bought him anyway. I mean, I definitely think he still improved this year. He definitely got better from his rookie year to to this year his second year. But I just didn't see enough of a jump from him, I guess. I wanted to see maybe a little bit more. But maybe, maybe that's just because I'm selfish and I, and I want to see us have really good players. But yeah. I just – I think there's there's something uh, missing from his game. Something that – whether it's like, like killer instinct or that, that just ability to go out there and, and put, your, your, put your mark on a game. I think that – that's what he needs to develop now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I hear it. I hear you. Well, we have a bunch of interesting new players, um, some old players. And um, so Borhalter is really digging deep. And, um, you know, it's a friendly. And it would just be a great audition for some of these guys to um, get that practice going in and see if they – uh, have a future for us in the in the national scene. So looking forward to it. And um, do you have anything else to add on that, or 
Are you good? Um, no, I don't. <laughs> I think I'm. I'm pretty good. I'm excited to to see if any of these young guys get get some burn out there. Um, I will add, I guess that there are also there are other teams in MLS that still have competitions going. Uh, Atlanta United, New York City. Uh, who am I, else am I missing? There's a couple teams alive in the Concacaf Champions Leagues, so that's why there's there's some other players missing from this camp. Miles Robinson from Atlanta. There's a couple players from New York City that maybe would have been here. So, yeah, this team maybe some players here will this will be their one moment in the sun and then we'll never hear from them again. But maybe there'll be other players who who break through and and make it through to the to the top 23. So yeah. We'll we'll, we'll get a better understanding after the game. Yeah. Gone are the days where we had to depend on zombie Michael Bradley who um, took his who appears to be finally done with the national team. And uh, thank you for your service, but um, it's time to go. A hundred percent in agreement there. Yeah. Michael Bradley, he, he did some great things for us. Um, he scored a great goal against Mexico in qualifying. He scored a World Cup goal against Slovenia. But, yeah, his, his legs are gone. He's had too many injuries. He's just too slow. Um, and especially with the midfield we put out uh, against Panama and Wales, there's, we don't need Michael Bradley. Like he, he might be one of the, our best ever center mids, but his time has come and gone. So thank yeah. you for your service, but yeah. goodbye. See you at the see you in the retirement match. <laughs> All right. So um, last week, um, the football world lost a giant. Um, Diego Maradona uh, had sadly passed away from a heart attack. Um, he was sixty years old. Um, Maradona. He played for multiple teams: uh, Barcelona. Argentina, uh, River, Newell, Old Boys, and uh, Boca Juniors. Um, but many Don't forget remember, about Napoli. Don't forget about Napoli. Did I forget about Napoli? Oh, my. I forgot about Napoli. I can't forget about Napoli. They, just, they when, just named yeah. the stadium after him today. They, yes, uh, they, they officially did. changed it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the Stadio um, Diego Armando Maradona. So – that just tells you how much beloved he was uh, to that city and just to just to the world. And um, just a little um, biography for those who don't know who Diego Maradona is. Um, he may be like one of the greatest, the greatest player of all time. He like there was a poll um, FIFA did uh, who was the greatest player of the 20th century and only two players were voted Pele and Diego Maradona um, his achievements with Argentina cannot be stated enough um, winning them the World Cup in 1986 uh, in Mexico as the captain and his most famous moment the moment that any soccer player remembers um, is uh, the match against um, the match against the quarterfinal against England? Um, the where he scored the two goals, uh, the hand of God and the goal of the century, um, really cemented his his legend. And um, yeah, um, th- he did have some issues um, towards the end of his career. Um, with um, with uh, substance abuse, um, his last game with Argentina ended with him getting suspended for uh, PDEs during the 1994 World Cup. Uh, he went on to manage multiple clubs. He managed uh, Argentina um, in the 2010 World Cup, uh, where they got bounced out of the quarterfinal against uh, Germany. Um, he was continuing to coach, um, had some health issues in the last few months before um, he had his heart attack. 
but his legacy can cannot be be matched. And you know, there's so much I can say about Maradona. But um, Daniel, do you have anything to add? It's uh, not really. No, I. To be fair, I only really knew him as the manager of Argentina. Obviously, like I knew about uh, his highlights and stuff. I had seen stuff and heard people say he is the greatest player of all time, but I had never really, you know, like looked into it or dove into it or really had any personal connection to him. So I knew he was a great soccer player, but I didn't really know the effect that he had on, on so many people. He, he really touched the, the hearts and minds of millions, if not a billion people uh, around this globe. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, his time with Napoli, which I'm really glad that you reminded me, um, he brought them their only two league titles. Um, when he first joined from Barcelona, um, there's a quote that said, you know, despite, you know, Napoli didn't, um, Naples didn't have a mayor or houses or buses or employment or, or much of anything, but none of that mattered because they had Diego Maradona and really changed like the perception of Italian football, which was then dominated by the Milan teams, the Juventus teams, you know, the uh, Roma. And now like they had, you know, it, they helped. He helped them form an identity, and that's why, like his um, jersey, his number is has been retired from that team. Um, and of course, we can't mention his time with Barcelona as well, one of the like premier clubs in road football. And um, yeah, there's so much uh, we can say about his. Uh, flamboyant skill, um, his just like expression, his ability to just really speak. He can speak his mind off and on the on the pitch, and that was like really, um, really like uh, really refreshing to a lot of people. You know, yeah, he was like a, he was a symbol for. For the little guy, you know, he was small in stature, but he he was the the size of a lion. His heart was the size of a lion, and you could see that just in the way he he loved life, and the way he talked to people, and and the way he would celebrate after a goal. You could just see it in his face, and it, it's a real sad day that that he uh, he passed away. Yeah, when I like got the news, I just my heart dropped. It was just like. It was just one of the scenes that you weren't expecting. Like even like when he had uh, a surgery uh, like a month ago, you were just hoping like you know, like it's nothing serious that he'll just push through. And you know, sixty is just really young to begin with. You know, uh, I know like Pele, he's like eighty. You know, like it's always sad when like when the legends, you know, die too young. And, like, his style of play, um, he, like, he embodied the number 10 position. He was the number 10 position. And I, I think he proves that the game is more than just about stats. Because if you look at his stats, maybe uh, he's not up there with the best ever, whatever. I mean, he didn't, maybe he didn't score the most goals or have the most assists. But the watching him play was the true – the true award. You had to see him in action to to be able to experience his greatness, and he mm-hmm. he did that every time he stepped out onto a, a soccer field. And there obviously will be no one who can do what he does ever again. Yeah, yeah. I believe that you had a, a special guest that you wanted to bring out and um, who can offer just a little bit more insight on how like Maradona, like what Maradona body, you know, to, to football. Okay. So joining us now is lifelong scholar of Diego Maradona, our, my friend, Alex Argueta. Alex, thank you for joining us today. 
Yeah, thank you for having me. Um, uh, so, do you have anything to to say about the the legend of Diego Maradona? Anything personal? Any personal stories, or just anything to kind of sh- tell people how much he meant to to everyone? Yeah, I think I think that's a really big thing. Like uh, when I was growing up, uh, my dad kind of showed me soccer, you know, or football, um, and he's from Guatemala, so. To him, Maradona was was God. I've seen a lot recently. They write it like D-10-S, and it looks like Dios, God in Spanish, when you write it out, for Maradona. I think that's just like the perfect representation. Um, but as a kid, like, that was everything. Like, I'm American. My dad's not Argentinian, but I had Argentina jerseys, you know, like, as a kid, just because he was, like, the Latin American hero, pretty much. Pele as well, but... I don't know. Maradona was different. Um, you know, I think a big thing was like, he, he did stuff for the clubs, you know, he came back to Argentina towards the end of his career. You know what I mean? Like when he came back to play for uh, Newell's old boys, which sounds like some random FIFA club we used to pick to like <laughs> mess around with, but like, he didn't, he didn't have to do that. Like no one would, would come back and do that. You know what I mean? So that stuff is what makes him a legend. He did the same thing in Napoli pretty much when it was a, a poor club in the South where a Southern team had never won Serie A, like, and literally like brought the club to what it is now and like the whole city. And I think that's, it goes farther than soccer. Like, obviously he was amazing, but it was more of like his influence, you know, like um, I think one thing a lot of people don't think about is he was actually like quite, political as well in his time and not to like get into politics but like he was so big on like supporting you know the leaders in his country and stuff uh he like fame and also you know talk about others he wore like a an f bush shirt one time i remember (laughs) and like he was never able to get a visa to america and everyone thought it was always because like he would uh you know support i mean to him his leaders would be the more we would look at the communist leaders of the world and like you know like fidel castro or something like that but to him like that's you know regardless of what you think that's what he you know supported and actually like wanted to help his countries grow which i think is a big thing and like that didn't happen a lot back then like we still have people saying the you know like shut up and dribble type stuff so it's crazy that he led that back then you know what i mean Mm-hmm. that's such right. a such a big thing yeah i just saw that on like on twitter and stuff the uh the fuck bush shirt i thought that was pretty pretty great that like players were coming together to to do that and he had he was like he was really anti-american just because we're like the the big power in the world and we we muddle in other people's elections and and do stuff like that so he was very <laughs> not shy about being outspoken about it yeah, I think that was so huge. Like, he had a Che Guevara tattoo, I think. Like, a huge one just of the guy's face. And it's like, you're really dedicated and about it. You know what I mean? And that's like, you know, a lot of people in America probably are like, oh, he's crazy or whatever. But, like, he was just trying to, you know, support what was helping his people, which is why everyone loved him. Like, he really did things more than just be like, oh, wow, he's so great on the field and whatnot. Like, he really made a difference in people's lives. And that's like, um, we've been talking about this before, Daniel, but uh, there's legit like a church of Maradona, the La Iglesia de Maradona, <laughs> which is, it's actually founded in um, Rosario, where Newell's Old Boys is, not even in like the capital or anything like that, uh, or by Boca Juniors. And it's just people who really, they, they treat him like a god. Like it's literally a Catholic church, but just Maradona instead of Jesus, like it's so wild to see <laughs> like it's just this blind dedication and like they don't think about the numbers or who did what or the accomplishments as much you know if you were to look at the stats it's not like maradona really blew anyone away you know what i mean i think people always compare him to pele and pele had like way better stats really but it's just like the impact he had and that's why people in argentina like don't like messi like that you know it's not the same love, the same adoration. It's really 
it's really funny to see because you would think it would be exactly the same. But I mean, Messi probably doesn't even live in Argentina. He hasn't been there since he was like 11 or something. So it's just really not the same. I had, but, I had never really understood why they they didn't have the same level of love for him. But you you kind of painted a pretty easy picture there, yeah. Because Messi's yeah. he probably a better soccer player. He can do more things on the field, but he's not you know helping his communities and in Argentina. He left when he was ten or eleven to go play in Spain. So they don't have that same personal connection with him. Yeah, exactly. Like there's just no no tie to the the country, and I mean. If you won a World Cup, it might be different. I think that'd be the one thing, the redemption for Messi, maybe. But it will never be Maradona. Like, it will just never be, I think. Yeah, yeah fun fact. Um, Maradona, when he was the coach of Argentina, like, Messi was his, like, Messi was his player. So, it's like, it was really, like, interesting seeing, um, like, the past meeting the future, you know? Mm-hmm. It's like... Um, I'm trying to come think of the word like uh, know what word is called when like um, when like you're old head and you're like making way for for the for the new guys passing of the torch yes the... passing the torch mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. and um, it was interesting uh, Alec when you were talking about like uh, how political uh, Maradona was and. Uh, not many people know about the hand of God. Um, the first goal that gave uh, Argentina the lead uh, against England in that semifinal, in that mm-hmm. quarterfinal, and how political that was. Because uh, before the match, um, Argentina and England were basically like in a war over um, some some islands, the Falkland Islands, and it was you know very tough on the on the people of Argentina. And I think Maradona himself was saying like, oh, you know, we as Argentinians, we didn't know what the military was up to. They told us we were winning the war, but in reality, England was winning, you know, 20-0. And, mm-hmm. you know, it's just like, so coming into that game, you know, there's still that like sentiment, like, you know, this is our opportunity to, you know, win our war. And, um, and uh, Maradona was was a soldier. Exactly. And, yeah. Like yeah. it was such. It meant so much more than just winning the game. It was you know like taking something back for Argentina, who like you're saying was just so screwed by England at the time, and a lot of other countries as well. So to like place them on top of the world, even if it was just that moment, like must have been so huge for the people. Like, and now you see the videos of everyone crying and all that like it's it's just so apparent how much it really meant and like i feel like a lot of americans like have no clue like they're just like what like why why is this such a big deal you know but because we've just never seen anything like it the english media really likes to paint him as a a bad guy because he scored a ball Mm -hmm. with his hand but a lot of people see it as like robin hood that he he's taken from from the rich and and given it back to the little guy so I don't really feel feel too bad for England, and also yeah. later in the game, he probably scored one of the one of the best <laughs> goals of all time. So, yeah, maybe the greatest goal ever. So he made up for it, I think. I think that's like the perfect duality of him is that game is like he was this crazy. He got away with stuff that no one could, like the hand of God. You know what I mean? But at the same time, he was still the best player ever. Like besides all the stuff, and like of course, like. There was all the drug stuff and all the missing practice and stuff like that. Like, I think he got like a, a almost a year plus ban for testing positive yeah. for coke, like stuff like that that you know could be career ruining for anyone else or like doing a hand of God type, you know, illegal move really. And he just did it, got away with it, and then just in the same stroke just showed that like he was the greatest. It was such a, I couldn't imagine watching it at that time. Like I would go so nuts. Oh my god. <laughs> yeah. We had some we had some great tributes to Maradona. I know Messi did one um uh mm-hmm. when he scored against Barcelona, scored with Barcelona over the weekend. He took off his shirt to reveal um uh, Neville's old boys uh jersey, um a number ten jersey. Um Maradona played with them. It was actually a worn jersey Maradona played. Maradona played. Uh, so that yeah. yeah that's that was, so beautiful. 
I heard a story that uh, at a, one of new old boys games when uh, Maradona was playing that they brought a little Lionel Messi out at halftime to, to juggle and entertain the crowd. And I think that's just kind of, that's the perfect passing of the torch right there mm-hmm. that they, we, they had the best player on the field in the game. And then they had the best player on the world at halftime. Come on. So that's just a, a pretty cool story. It's so crazy. And their games are so similar to that. Like he had to have really looked up to him. You know what I mean? I mean, even size wise, stature wise, they're the same too, but like, Every every little bit, I feel like it's so similar. I, I think I pretty much every South American, every Central American, looks up to him. You could see that just with all the tributes around the world. It was it was mainly done by by the the South Americans and the Central Americans. Even in the MLS, guys were bringing yeah. out number ten jerseys and and wearing them in the playoff games. And it just it really shows his his impact and and how many people loved him and are, are sad to see him gone. Yeah, I think that's the biggest thing. It's just, like, the impact was so huge on all these people. And, like, like you're saying, Messi wore the, the new old boys jersey. And, like, Maradona never played there when he was really in his prime at all, even, you know? And it still had that much of an impact, like, on that city and everything. Like, we, we don't have that where just, you know, this essentially, like, retirement tour is still, like, changing lives. Like, having little Messi come out, like, that's so perfect. Yeah. And I, also, it, it's the same for the people of Napoli. Not Napoli, but Naples. Like, they treat him the same way as if he was he was born in the city, you know? Which is, like, it's hard to do that somewhere else. Especially back then, where it might not have been well-received to have some Argentinian guy, you know, come be the lead of the team. They spent, it was like a record transfer when they got Maradona from Barcelona. And it's a poor city, poor club. I bet everyone's like, you know, what are you doing? You know, I mean, he was the best player, but there was so much off the field stuff that I bet everyone was so mad at the time just to have it pan out and pretty much save the club, save the city. It's, it's impossible. Yeah. Yeah. Well, like we can go on and on about what legend he is, but um, I think I just want to just end with like, what is our favorite memory of, of Maradona? Mm. I can go first. Go um, so my favorite memory was the 2018 World Cup. Um, Argentina was playing uh, Nigeria. They needed to win this game to advance to the next round. Um, Messi scored, and then uh, Nigeria tied it back. <laughs> and then at the end, the very end of the game, um, uh, Argentina won uh, the last second, last minute, and then. As everyone celebrating, the cameras went to Maradona. He was celebrating too. And then he comes up and flips the bird <laughs> on my team. Uh, that, was, that was hilarious. I, I was dying laughing. And, you know, like, he, that man just gave, did not, get, just gave no fucks, just didn't care. So, and that's just an epitome of his, his life, you know, on the pitch. And then, like off the pitch, post retirement, you know, he just he he just stayed true to who he was the whole time. So, I agree. Him as a coach was the best thing to watch. He would just go so crazy on the sidelines, like especially for people like us who didn't grow up watching him. It was like a perfect insight into him, you know. Some of my um, favorite memories of him. Sorry to cut you off, but oh, some ahead. of my favorite memories of him were are just watching him warm up like before games or just before training sessions, he was just like so quirky and, but so natural with it. He would just like run around, like kicking a rock or whatever. He would just like practice like karate kicking to, to warm up his legs. And it's just like, that's, that's so weird, but that's so, so Maradona to, to find his, his own way to do things. Mm Mm-hmm. It's just, he's so naturally gifted, more so, I feel like. People, he's just like, obviously he trained very hard, he worked super hard, but like, he, he had to be blessed in some way, almost. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, probably, obviously I wasn't alive when this happened, but I remember the, one of the first things um, <laughs> I had heard of him was that he like, one time he scored a goal in a game, I've seen the clip too, um, 
he scored a penalty kick and immediately like pulled out a little necklace, like poured some coke out, did it on the field, live television in front of everyone. And it's not like a great moment, obviously. It's not a good thing that he did, but it's just something that stuck out to me that's you could never see any player doing that at any level, you know? But only Maradona could get away with that and still be loved, still be the greatest. Like, that's so wild to me. I think the story I had heard was that he poured it on the goal line with the white chalk so you couldn't see it and then just <laughs> went into the line, <laughs> which is just uh, – it's just so him, I feel like. If they if they hadn't got that on video, I never would have believed that. I'd have been like, oh, no, that's an old wise tale. But that's yeah. that's amazing. <laughs> like, I'm looking this up, and, like, that is actually a real thing that, that happened. Wow. Yeah. Oh, my God. Like – to just do it straight on the field is so, so wild. But yeah, that was, that was him though. That's, that was the craziest part. And I don't think, I don't think we'll have another person like him at least. Yeah. At least not for he, a while. Yeah. I feel like he, he was like the first like rock star of the football mm-hmm. world. Mm-hmm. Because like he really lived that like rock star, like lifestyle, you know, party hard, played hard. And you know, just lived hard. Yeah. And, yeah. And nowadays, you, yeah, you couldn't even get away with that now with everyone with phones and everything, whatnot. And he got caught up a ton, too, even with that. Like, yeah, it was a special moment in time, but he came just at the right part. I feel like. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Any any last words on um, the legend Maradona? Um, I mean, I, I think just, that like, that's a great place to end it personally, but <laughs> I, I pretty much about to say it's, it's that exact sentiment. It's just that you know, it, it was more than football. With yeah. That. yeah. Well, rest in peace to one of the greatest players um, we have ever seen or ever had the pleasure of knowing. And all we can say is, you know, uh, Rest in peace up there. Keep scoring. Keep keep living it up in, in heaven. Mm-hmm. So with that, uh, thank you so much for uh, joining us, uh, Alejandro. Of course. And, thank uh, you, guys. Yeah. And uh, thank you, uh, listener, <laughs> for uh, listening to us for another episode of Soccer, Not Football. Uh, this is Stella. This is Daniel. We'll catch you guys next time. Peace. Peace.